Earlier this week, we debunked the need for financial planners. Today, we're talking about the need for a financial planner. Yes, that sounds a little bit opposite, but don't worry. It's not your typical financial planner. We're talking about alternative investments today with Daniel Johnson on the Fearless Investor Podcast. I believe true wealth cannot be measured by your income. It is instead measured by your availability of choices, especially the choice to live life on your terms. I also believe there are many ways to create wealth, but one thing is for certain. You have to have a laser focus on one path. My path, Airbnb, but I also believe in education and expanding your mind. Education helps you take off the blinders of life and see opportunities you never saw before. Join me on this journey of learning how to create wealth in Airbnb, real estate, and so many more investment strategies. Together, we can conquer the world of investing. My name is Kyle Stanley, and this is the Fearless Investor Podcast. Hey guys, welcome into the Fearless Investor Podcast. You're listening to me, Kyle Stanley. And before we get into it today with Daniel Johnson from Refocus Financial Planning, I need to ask you hosts of Airbnb, can you keep relying on Airbnb to bring you all of your business? Uh, you have to start looking to directly book right to your customer. And how do you do this? Well, it's, it's pretty simple, actually. You just own your own direct booking website. Uh, but please do not cut corners. Do yourself a favor. A free site is not going to cut it, especially if it's not on WordPress, not on WordPress. Um, now, I, I know really what you're thinking. That's either going to take a lot of time or it's going to cost a lot of money, right? Well, that's where Boostly comes in. Boostly is the best in the business for website design for the short-term rental game, servicing over 600 clients nationwide. And every site is built for you and on WordPress, just like we said, you need to have it. It needs to be on WordPress. Starting pricing is only $99. It doesn't matter if you have one property or 100. And my good friend, Mark Simpson, who is the founder of Boostly, tells me it's guaranteed to get you direct bookings or your money back. Just book a call with Mark's team at boostly.co.uk forward slash fearless. Your future business will absolutely thank you. Uh, again, boostly, that's B-O-O-S-T-L-Y.co.uk forward slash fearless. Now, with that being said, let's get into it today with Daniel Johnson, who is actually in the homes of over 100 different clients, helping them to be able to take their real estate investing to the next level as a financial planner, really for real estate and other alternative strategies. So here we go right now with Daniel Johnson. Hey, everyone, welcome into the Fearless Investor Podcast. You're listening to me, Kyle Stanley, and uh, we are super excited to have Daniel Johnson with Refocus Financial Planning. He's coming in from North Carolina today. Daniel, thanks for being on the show. Hey, thanks, Kyle. It's great to be here. Awesome. Hey, so Daniel, uh, what is that most interesting, strangest, funniest real estate investing story that you've got for us today? Yeah, so two years ago, um, me and a partner, we were looking at a property. Um, we knew it was coming online and, and we, we knew the seller. And so we, were, we told her, hey, look, we want to make an offer when it comes online. Um, and she said, hey, look, wait, you know, hold on. We'll, we'll, we'll get you. We'll get you. It'll be all right. So he hits the MLS. Then all of a sudden, before we know it, it's under contract. And, and so we reach out like, what happened? And she's like, well, hey, sorry, I got a great cash offer, you know, or great offer. And, and, and I just had to take it. And we're like, okay. So about a month goes by and, 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 and we see, or we actually, we actually know who the buyer is. And then the buyer starting to get cold feet. So the day of the end of due diligence in North Carolina and due diligence is basically when you're, you're all your money goes hard. Um, he, the, the, the buyer comes to us 
and says, hey, look, I'm willing to assign the contract um, if you're willing to take it. Literally three hours before, um, before oh, wow. the money goes hard. So we have to make a decision as buyers. Do we go in and buy this property with no, basically we weren't able to do any due diligence and having to put about $10,000 just money hard down on this property um, and, and then close in probably three weeks after that um, because we're, we're, we're taking the contract yeah. on. And so we, we take three hours and we think about it and we get the paperwork in just in time before you know due diligence or due diligence closes out. We end wow. up buying the property and it ends up being a huge success for us. But it was just, it was just one of those things that we had our, we had our target on it and, That's and it didn't work out the, the first time, but then we came back around and we we're able to get it. So we we're really happy about that. Hey, they say good investors can make quick decisions and uh, being put under the gun for three hours, uh, paid dividends. Congratulations, man. That's great. Uh, well, hey, let, let's jump into it, Daniel. So, you know, we're going to get into what is refocused financial planning here in a little bit, but it's not your typical financial planning, you know. So if you're sitting here and you're listening and you're thinking, I've got my, you know, uh, my, my stocks and my, my bonds, I've got my financial advisor, I got my Edward Jones guy, whatever it is, that's not what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about something very different, but it all kind of started for you uh, about just over 10 years ago. Uh, where were you before uh, real estate, before all these alternate investing uh, methods that you have been doing? Where were you before that? Yeah. So, you know, my, my career kind of started off, I, I was, I've always been a hard worker. I've always um, always had a job. I mean, ever since high school, you know, always worked. And so even through college, I actually worked full time through college and um, ended up buying my first property my senior year of college. And, you know, it's back in 2007, it was it was a house hack, you know, essentially. And but I'll tell you that the term house hack wasn't even around. Like, I had no idea what that exactly was, but got a couple of my friends to move in and be the roommates and they they paid the mortgage for me. And you know, it was all, it was all hunky dory for, you know, about a year, year and a half until uh, the the financial crisis hit and, and housing took a really big, big knock. You know, um, it was right around that time that I was getting married. So I ended up moving out of that house, um, ended up renting it out. Uh, all, all three bedrooms rented them out. And, and, and that was kind of my start was, you know, kind of becoming a landlord, knowing what I wanted to do in that space. Um, but then, but then really being stuck in there because I, I couldn't mm -hmm. sell the property even if I wanted to, right. I would have lost my shirt. Um, but that's how I got my start in, in, um, in, in real estate and still own that property today. Um, but afterwards, I ended up uh, moving into a banking. So I, I worked for a large credit union and, and, and did mortgages, did car loans, did all, the, all that good stuff. But I saw that the really successful folks that came in for for mortgages, there was a common thread in that they all owned real estate. Hmm. And, um, and, and it was one of those things that I just realized, hey, look, I want to keep digging into this. And it took me a, a number of years later to, to finally, you know, branch out from that one property and uh, other than, a, you know, another primary residence to, to kind of really start digging in. But once I saw that, I was like, hey, look, that's what I want to do. That's great. So, I mean, when you bought that property, then your senior year of college, which by the way, is pretty incredible to be able to do that senior year of college, um, was there was no idea of actually becoming a real estate investor at that time, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think there was a little bit of like that seed that was there. Um, but but no, it wasn't like this grand strategy. I mean, I wish I, I, I thought about, you know, 
being really scrappy and just, you know, trying to acquire as many properties as I could, you know, along the way, I think it was an inclination towards it and a desire to, to, to do that, but I just didn't understand how to do it. And that's, you know, that the education piece is huge for me now. Cause I'm like, Hey, you know, there's, there's so much opportunity out there. You just got to look and you got to, you got to dig in and, and figure out where to, you know, where to go, where to allocate your time and, 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 and resources. Yeah, that's awesome. And so then you get into banking and you said you see all these bankers that have real estate. Uh, was there any defining moment there where you put the pieces together or was there one of the guys that you talked to that shared why real estate was so important to them that just kind of like had that aha moment for you? Well, I say, you know, I saw a lot of folks because it was it was in the middle of, you know, 09 to, to 2012 was was really when I was in in banking. So I saw a lot of investors that were really getting raked over the coals that they had overextended themselves, that they had they had gotten themselves into tough situations. Um, so I saw the the negative side of it. I saw the ones that were struggling, but I also saw the ones that were just really, really smart and successful with with their investments, with their the properties that they owned, that they were still cash flowing, that they were still able to buy more properties in the middle of in the middle of like, you know one of the worst financial crises in, in history, they're still in there buying more houses um, when everyone else is scared and, and you know, saying, Where, where's the bottom on this market? So um, I, I learned both from both sides, you know, both the really savvy investors and those that, that kind of went in with their, um, their eyes shut. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's a good point because a lot of people keep speculating that we're going to have another 2008, 2009, and so there's a lot of people that are probably, they keep hearing the great things about real estate, but they also don't want to be that kind of person that back in 2007 thought they were getting a great deal. And then a year later, they were stuck with it. So you sound like, you know, you saw both sides. You, there was opportunity to have that fear, right? Um, so what was it that helped you to be able to get past uh, the fear of being on the the wrong side of that and actually knowing that you had the opportunity or the the know-how to be able to be on the, the right side. Yeah, I mean, I, I think one of the biggest, you know, the biggest points of acceleration for me was when when I was able to to step up my job, you know, my, my W-2 job and, and create some margin in my life to where um, to where I had additional capacity. And what I didn't let happen was I didn't let, um, I didn't let my, my, my spending soak up the rest of that margin. Instead, my wife and I, we started setting aside and then, and then going and started aggressively pursuing more properties. That's probably one of the uh, kind of the biggest inflection points for me is whenever I was able to get a promotion that I started socking it away and, and, and started to invest in that way. Um, and, you know, certainly the first couple of properties we bought, you know, there was, there was a lot of nervousness, like, are people going to rent this? You know, is it, you know, are, are we going to get over our heads? Are we going to have too many properties? And, um, but it's, it's interesting. Every time you, you, you kind of take a risk, the next time you take a risk, you look back at the last risk that you took and you're like, that was nothing, man. You know, that was, that was almost inconsequential where I'm sitting now. So then you're looking at the, the risk you're taking now. And say, wow, this is a big, a big risk. But every time you take those steps and do it smartly, you look back at it and you're like, I can't even think, I, I can't even believe I thought twice about that. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, it's 
I think I think the main thing was just getting over that first hurdle and the second hurdle. And after we got over that second hurdle, now I'm looking back at the things that I did. And I'm like, as long as you kind of keep keep your head on your shoulders and just be smart about it, you know, continue to plot forward and try to try to uh, grow as much as you can. Yeah. I mean, we fear the unknown, right? Because we we see something we we think we know in the beginning what it might make or what kind of investment it might be, but we won't really know until we get our hands dirty in there. I've done deals that I didn't think I'd make hardly any money on and we made great money. And then I've had deals where I'm like, okay, this would be an easy, you know, five digit return right away. And then before you know it, we're like breaking even. And, and Mm -hmm. so it's, it's just about getting your hands dirty. But I think what one of the the key things you said there, and we talked about it actually on Tuesday when, and I was talking about financial advising and, and how to think like an investor. It's not like you were thinking like an investor in the terms of you were investing the money first and then whatever you had as excess was going towards um, maybe that that spending and lifestyle. So um, is that is that right? It sounds like you were just, you know, we were put, you said you were putting things away in order to invest before even using some of that money for the essentials. Um, well, so, I mean, I, I had I certainly are kind of like, core essentials that right. came out of the paycheck, you know, but, but apart from that, we, we tried to live as, as lean as possible and everything extra went, went to the side. And, and honestly, to this day, I've really not taking, taken any, any income out of my properties period. And I, I continue to, to push that aside, to reinvest, continue to reinvest that money. Great. Um, and so, so it's, it's, it's the snowball. I mean, at the end of, at the end of the day, you, you keep on building up that income. You keep on building up your, um, your business. It's going to continue to, to produce those dividends that you can either spend or reinvest. I choose to, uh, to reinvest them to, to grow that dividend further into the future. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so talk a little bit more about the things that you've done since getting really into real estate. Um, what's been some exit strategies, some deals. I know you're now working with a lot of clients as well to show them the route. Just kind of give us a little bit of an overview if you can. Yeah. So, so my, my primary real estate investment strategy is, is a lot of furnished housing. So really like, you know, um, whether it be Airbnbs or travel nurse housing, um, those are the, the types of, of, of properties and deals that I, I tend towards. Um, so, and that's been really great. We got properties in Asheville, which Asheville is a tourist destination. It's, it's a, you know, a lot of people enjoy going there. Um, we also have some properties in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And before, you know, before the pandemic, we had a, a, actually a decent amount of um, travel for university events and that sort of thing. So, so it's been, it's been a really great, great um, investment strategy for myself. It's more active. It's more hands-on. I like that. I like to be engaged and involved in it. I don't like necessarily having super passive investments. Mm-hmm. Um, nothing wrong with them, but 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 certainly that's that's kind of my my approach to it. Um, but you know on 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 the other side of it, you know, my being a financial planner, I I I started as a financial planner about eight years ago. And and so I've you know I've certainly worked with folks that are just normal stock market investors, but I've also I also kind of noticed this this group of people, real estate investors that that didn't really seem like they had anybody there for them that um, understood what they did as far as financial planning is concerned because of the way financial advisors and planners are typically compensated. So that was where uh, uh, earlier this year, I, I said, hey, look, I wanna help financial or I wanna help real estate investors um, either continue to grow their wealth, understand how 
what their options are for exiting if they're if they're nearing retirement and saying, hey, look, I'm st- I'm ready to start winding this down, or I want to become more passive. Understanding the different ways to to um, to to exchange out of properties and maybe into more passive um, investments that maybe still are real estate oriented, but um, that's kind of been my focus over the last um, couple of years is really understanding and learning about the needs of real estate investors and to serve them as a financial planner. Yeah, I, I was telling you right before we got on this interview uh, how I literally was talking about this <laughs> on our show earlier this week and how it just ties in so well. Um, to me, you're just going to hear from a typical financial advisor, real estate is risky. Um, what do you say when people tell you that, when, when you hear that, no matter from a financial advisor or not, but hey, real estate is risky. Why are you doing that? Why aren't, why aren't you in stocks and, and uh, you know, the, um, in 401ks and retirement funds and things like that? So I'll say, I believe, I believe that for the most part, real estate needs to be an active activity, or you need to have someone that is actively engaged on your behalf, Mm -hmm. um, working in your real estate business. And I, and I, I tell everyone, I tell all my clients that I believe that your real estate is a business and you need to treat it like a business. And, and I think that that's a, that's a gap in understanding that a lot of financial advisors and planners don't understand that real estate investors that are doing it really well, they treat it like a business and it shouldn't really be considered any differently than if you have um, a restaurant, you know, that you, that you own and manage. Uh, it shouldn't be any different than a shoe store that you own. The, you know, they're active businesses that you have to, you have to make sure that they're running well, that you're, you're keeping up with them, that you're, you've got good people around you that are working in it. Um, you don't, it doesn't mean you have to be out there swinging a hammer, but you have to be, you have to be actively engaged. Now, if you're going to go and buy a property and just expect that it's going to print money for you and you're never going to do anything or touch it, that's not going to be the case. And you're probably not going to have great outcomes as far as returns on that. Um, but if you go into it knowing full well, it's going to take a little bit of time and effort and it's going to, it's going to you know, require your attention here and there or hiring somebody you really trust to, to help you manage it, then I don't think it's, I don't think it's risky. I think, I think actually real estate is way less risky and way more forgiving in the fact that it has income. Um, if, you, if you put reasonable leverage on it and, and you have mortgage pay down over time and potential property appreciation over time, those three factors end up working out really well for most real estate investors. So I, I don't think it's any, any more or less um, risky than, than the stock market. Um, you, you can argue different ways on that, but I think, I think as far as an active business is concerned, it's not, it's not more or less risky than, than the stock market. Yeah. And, you know, I think one of the things too, that I saw firsthand um, after my dad passed away and my mom was in charge of all the finances, um, you know, she's getting to that age where, uh, you know, she's going to start taking dividends from all the retirement funds and all the things like that, that my dad uh, saved up, you know, now she's literally being pretty much like 90% told what to do with her money um, rather than having the option of, you know, you can do this, you can, Hey, like in a piece of real estate, Hey, I could sell this. I could refinance this. Um, I could 1031 this rather than that. She's been told, Hey, you're almost uh, 70. What is it? 70 and a half years old or something like that. Mm -hmm. So now you have to start taking out money. And Oh, by the way, you're going to get taxed on that too. And I just think there's so much more freedom. If you do real estate the right way to me, you're either going to do real estate as a 
um, like how a lot of people say, hey, buy real estate and wait. You're going to do it as a, a long-term investment and you're going to have this great you know, bank with a roof over it or you're going to do some quick flips or some wholesaling as more of an active business, like you mentioned, mm -hmm. and you're going to be a little bit, quote unquote, more uh, risky, but have maybe some higher, quicker rewards as well. Um, so which way are you helping clients? Is it more of the active or is it more of the, the passive long-term? Well, you know what, you bring up a really, a really interesting topic on your, on your mom and the IRA. Hmm. What a lot of people don't realize is that, um, a lot of people that save to IRAs, traditional IRAs, many, many, many people, especially really good savers, will actually end up with more income in their retirement years coming out of their IRAs than they ever actually earned in their, their working years. So the, the distribution years is actually much, much higher or can be much, much higher. And especially if you end up with a, with a um, instead of having two people with a joint tax return, you end up with just one person with a single tax return with essentially two, two wage earners uh, savings in it. You actually can, can back yourself into a pretty bad tax trap. Mm. Um, so I think, I think there's proper ways to utilize retirement accounts. Um, and there's, you know, you, you just have to be really, really smart and effective with that. But I think you're right, you know, on the, on the real estate side, you, you have so many options, obviously, those are just like anything in taxes. It's all subject to potential change. You know, any administration, any Congress can come in and change those things. However, you know, real estate, home ownership, property, these are all kind of core to our fundamental, um, our fundamentals as Americans. You know, we, these are things that we really believe in. And so it, while tax policies might change for better or for worse for real estate investors, over a long period of time, you just kind of have to ignore some of that noise and just look at the long-term uh, uh, potential for growth and appreciation in the asset class, and just try to try to keep your keep your head on your shoulders and just keep investing. At, you know, that's, I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, a hundred percent. So yeah, going going back to my question there, how exactly are you helping clients when it sounds like you're taking on people that currently have real estate investments or maybe trying to take it to the next level. So where, where do you come in? Yeah, so absolutely. So I, you know, like you said, I work with, with folks that already have real estate that are looking to, to kind of get to the next stage to grow even further, understanding their risk profiles, you know, the things that they need to be on the watch for, they need to look out for, making sure they have sufficient capital and that sort of thing. Um, looking, you know, working with folks that are that are in the decumulation stage, figuring out exit exit strategies. Also working with, you know, startup, you know, people who are interested in real estate, but not exactly sure how to start moving in that direction and start getting there. And, you know, a lot of it kind of just starting with a base financial plan, understanding where they are and what their goals and objectives are and how they, you know, how they can get there and reach that. I, I personally prefer and believe that um, that fixed fee or flat fee uh, planning engagements are the best, meaning that it's not based on any assets that I manage or anything like that. It's not based on, it's not based on performance or anything like that. It's just based on a fee for service. So kind of the same way you'd compensate your CPA or your attorney, fee for service, and it can be an ongoing relationship or it can be a one-time relationship. Um, either one, I think, I think are are really great ways to interact with a financial planner. So that's interesting. Um, why is it that you think? a fee base is better than call it a commission. Yeah. 
Well, uh, anytime you introduce um, a commission, it, it means that there's a sale happening, which it doesn't mean it's a bad thing. I mean, all of us as real estate investors deal with sales all the time. We're, you know, a lot of us are, are, are I'm, I'm not an agent, but a lot of us are agents and we're selling real estate. However, in, in, when it comes to financial products, I'm not, I'm not a big fan of, of commissions in that there's an incentive to, to place whatever that product is with the, the person that you're giving mm. advice to. Yeah. So okay. it's really hard for it to have imp impartial advice if the way that you're being paid is by selling them a product. Sure. That, so I'd like to be able to tell them, I'd like to be able to tell them you should buy this product, you should buy this life insurance, but I don't want to, I don't want to say that. And that's the way that I get paid. Right. So I can send them to, to get insurance somewhere and make sure it's a good fit for them. And it's going to be a good, a good policy for them, but I don't want to be paid for that advice. No, that, directly that from the insurance company. Makes a lot of sense. I like that. So is there any, um, just so we can put our hands on, is there any uh, client stories that you have um, that would be cool to, to share with the audience? Yeah, uh, let me, I'm kind of thinking through here. You know, one, one client that I, that I have worked with in the past, they, they had, they had about, and this was at, it was actually my prior firm, but they had five, five rental properties and, and, you know, he, he was, he was a scrappy investor. He was, he was just, you know, um, kind of just buying stuff and, and kind of self-made handyman. He would just go and fix it up and, and do it, do a lot of the stuff himself. Um, and, and he, you know, he did a really great job of buying at foreclosure sales and, and, and getting great value in deals. Um, but they were kind of nearing the end of the time in which they could really, um, they could really practically continue to do this and operate it. And he, he actually was, was diagnosed with, um, with uh, Parkinson's or, or uh, early on stage. And so he's, he was having to, to think about giving up um, that side of it. And so as I, as I was working with them, I was able to go in and kind of analyze their properties and say, hey, look, here, you know, this property is kind of like the problem child, um, but it looks like you can actually sell it for a really great price right now. Um, you're not really making any money on it. It's the one you're spending your most time on. Um, so, you know, we did, we did an individual property by property analysis um, for each of their properties and identified an exit strategy for them to, to, to in a very tax efficient way, begin to ease themselves out of the real estate um, world, mainly from the fact that they just, they just couldn't do it anymore. Um, and it was a really great success story because, I mean, it was something that he had built up on his own over 20 years um, like kind of a retirement uh, job that he had. And, and it was a great outcome for them because they were able to, to slowly sell off their properties each year and not incur a lot of taxes and to do it in a very uh, seamless and, and um, in, in easy way. And then they were able to kind of reinvest um, back for their, the rest of their retirement um, without much concern or worry about where their income is going to come from. That's great. Very nice. Very nice. I love it. So, uh, Daniel, is, is there anything else that uh, you'd like the audience to know in regards to refocus financial planning and, and what you guys are doing? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of these things that uh, started it, started the company with with this vision to, to help real estate investors, because um, I just saw I just saw an absence in the market of anyone that is talking of any financial planners that are willing to talk about real estate or be pro real estate with their clients. And, um, and, and I thought, hey, look, I think it would be a good thing for the real estate community to have 
somebody who's an advocate for them and to be able to help them in all the different questions that they may have, taxes, insurance, estate planning, um, cash flow planning, all these different uh, focuses of the CFP, which is Certified Financial Planner, uh, all these different focuses that should be pulled in together. And if I, you know, a real estate investor shouldn't have to work with somebody that is going to basically just ignore their real estate portfolio and say, well, we'll just talk about what you've got over here. And we're just going to kind of ignore the real estate portfolio. Um, so, so really, you know, that's, that's, that's it. You know, I, I really am, am passionate about this and I, I work with folks all over the country. It doesn't matter where you live. Um, my, my website is um, refocusfp.com. So just like it sounds, refocus financial planning and just fp.com. And um, I'm sure you can, you can search it as well and, and find me that way. Awesome. Okay. So for all of you out there that currently have some real estate investments looking to uh, get some help and figure out what's next for your investing, make sure to go to refocusfp.com. Was that right? That's right. Perfect. Okay. Daniel Johnson, thank you so much for being on the show today and helping our audience to conquer the world of investing. Show notes are going to be easy for this one, fearlesskyle.com forward slash Daniel Johnson, spelled exactly how it sounds. And you can go ahead and check out uh, Refocus Financial Planning right there. And as he mentioned, refocusfp.com is the website. If you don't want to go to the show notes, you can just go straight there. That's going to do it today for the Fearless Investor Podcast. We're helping you to conquer the world of investing. As always, follow us on Instagram at Fearless Kyle and make sure you've joined our free Facebook group, Airbnb Masterminds. We'll see you next time.